Welcome to the Maze Marketing Podcast. This isn't another podcast about marketing tricks or hacks, but about building effective marketing systems, beating marketing overwhelm, and communicating your expertise. With your hosts, Rob Drummond and Jonathan Wilson. Okay, so on today's call, I'm very pleased to say that we've got Ryan Baker. So I came across Ryan on one of Perry Marshall's new Renaissance webinars. So actually, if you're in, if you're in Perry's new Renaissance group, which I suggest you consider, go and look up the September 2020 webinar, where, um, where Ryan talks about uh, a framework that he's developed called the Market Journey Path. So something that Ryan talks about in that webinar, which we might elaborate on in this call, is that he distinguishes between a buyer's market and a waiting market. So a buyer's market is, you know, the Google ads, the people who are ready to buy right now, which typically might be 3% of the market, maybe 7% of the market, if you're lucky. Actually, in most markets, there's a much bigger, much bigger waiting market. Uh, you know, a group of people who might be ready to buy one day, if you can nurture them, if you can stay in touch with them for a long enough period of time. So um, if anyone's been following my work, you can imagine that this was music to my ears. So I, I reached out to Ryan and invited him on the show and, I'm very pleased to say that he agreed. So, Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. I appreciate you asking me on the show. Cool. Um, perhaps you can just um, introduce um, or tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into doing what you do today. Yeah, yeah. Well, goodness. Um, I'm, I'm Ryan Baker. I am the Vice President of Digital Strategy at 417 Marketing. Um, we're kind of agency out of Springfield, Missouri, you know, sprawling metropolis in the middle of the United States. And um, I got into marketing kind of the the normal way that most people do. I wanted to be a rock star. Um, and then uh, I quickly found out that our band was terrible uh, and decided to uh, be a film score composer because I loved movies and I love uh, symphonic music and um, I, I got a contract with a director and I, I started scoring and was like, wow, this is a lot of hard work. I really don't like this. I love music, but I want to keep loving music. So um, I, I got out of that and um, was working for a cleaning company and, and just kind of hovering around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I had a friend that worked for a web design firm. And so I... I um, talked to him and started helping them out and turns out uh, it wasn't you know the best fit for the type of work I wanted to do. Um, they needed someone more in sales and I wanted to kind of learn more of the nitty-gritty. Um, all this while I was kind of drawn to the the idea of running an online business for the sake of time freedom you know reading like Tim Ferriss the four-hour work week and and getting really inspired um, by just this concept that you could live a different type of life than the the normal nine to five grind and um and so uh through all this i started learning from a myriad of, of different um online gurus at the time um you know neil patel was a big influence perry marshall of course uh, who you know brought us together to begin with um and you know, as I, I started with a giant pool of people and, and from that entire pool of people, I think we're down to just Perry Marshall now. Um, it's pretty much the same for me, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So many, too many inputs um, leads to just about no output. So um, I tried to, uh, to minimize that a bit. And um, over time, learned a lot, um, 
started just kind of helping some people here and there um, with digital marketing questions. And uh, a friend of mine um, had started a marketing agency a, a while um, back. And so I, I reached out to them uh, as I had gotten married and found out I was uh, going to be a father mm -hmm. and was like, I need to make some money. And what I'm doing now isn't, isn't footing the bills. So I uh, talked to him. He hired me on. I gained some experience. Uh, about a year and a half later, um, left and began to consult um, with actually another agency in town, which uh, was 417 Marketing. I was helping them increase revenue from PPC clients. Um, and so I kind of, um, being new to consulting, let the scope expand to the point that uh, now I'm I'm VP of the company and um, it's it's been a wonderful ride. I've never found a team that works so well together. Um, th there's no drama, which I know sounds like hyperbole. There's no drama. It's it's amazing. Um, and uh, the, the, the client relationships are so personal. Um, it's just, it's exactly what I wanted. And, um, and there's so much autonomy that, you know, if I'm doing good, high quality, high impact work, you know, thousand dollar an hour work, um, then I can uh, I can have all the time freedom that I I was wanting. So, um, yeah, through all of that mess, I guess I uh, I kind of realized, stumbled into the uh, the market journey path, and uh, wanted to share it with with Perry's group and. Um, talked to Brian Todd and, and he thought it was a good idea. So he had me on and here we are. Yeah. So could you maybe sort of outline the market journey path? Um, I know you spent sort of 40 minutes or so outlining it in the webinar, but you know, what's the sort of big idea, I guess, for people that are brand new to this? Yeah, yeah, I can give a, a hopefully a faster um, overview of it. I tend to be wordy, but we'll, uh, we'll do our best here. So um, the market journey path was created essentially because I was bothered about how marketers tend to view people or business owners tend to view people. Um, it's, you know, people are not just dollar signs. They're not just, um, you know, resources or, or assets um, or prospects or anything. And so um, I, I became a certified customer experience professional a while back because of, of a, a friend who was doing some training and um, I, that world kind of puts a lot of focus on understanding how the, the journey that people go through, um, before buying or, or during, um, their, their work with a company. And, um, I just, I was making some connections in my head, um, about how, you know, not, not everybody is ready to buy when you're marketing to them. And so, you know, you'll kind of get this steady flow of people um, that are ready to buy at any given time, but, but what are we doing about the rest of the people? And, and as you mentioned in the introduction, um, there are, there, there's a huge pool of, of people that are not ready to buy, but might be later that most marketers are ignoring. And so the whole concept of the market journey path is essentially a, uh, I wanted to create a framework to map out the journey that people go through as they realize they have a problem, um, what they do when they realize that, and then, um, you know, how it is that they are treated um, when they're ready to solve that problem. I think my, um, my best clients that I've ever worked with are normally the ones who've 
sat on my email list for a couple of years, maybe. Um, and actually, by the point at which they get in touch, they already know me. They already know a lot of my story. We we, we share a lot of the same values because otherwise they would have unsubscribed. And actually, it's a much nicer conversation to have with those people. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think that that sort of definitely resonates. I think something else I was going to point out was that you know when you get a bunch of customers in the room, it kind of brings them into focus a lot more, and you realise that they are people with they're all different, and they've got fears, hopes, and dreams. When you see them just in a database, you just all of this language about bringing in new leads. Um, I've had clients phrase it like new blood, if you like. Um, so um, so yeah. Um, what what goes into the framework then? Yeah, so um, essentially, if uh, if you imagine a a kind of um, flowchart or tree with um, a uh, there there are various stages. Um, the one at the top, the first one, is the contented market, and and I view each map, each map or, or each market journey path as an individual problem. So this is more problem centric than it is brand centric. A lot of journey mapping is, you know, how do people go through um, their relationship with your brand? Um, but if we keep this completely customer centric, then we can get inside someone's head better. So the, the customer or the person, uh, the human being starts uh, content, you know, they don't have a problem or they're not aware that they have a problem. Um, below that phase, um, some event occurs to move them down into the next phase, which is the suffering market. Um, so at this point, they know they have a problem. They're actively suffering from that problem. You know, maybe it's really, really painful suffering, or maybe it's just like, oh, you know, I saw a chocolate bar while I'm standing in the checkout aisle and now I'm hungry. So I'm going to grab that. Um, so, you know, whatever that looks like, they are actively suffering and they have two choices they can make now. And so this is where the paths diverge. You have either the waiting market, um, as I view it on the left, or the buying market on the right. Um, and the paths diverge further from each one of those options. So we'll say that they're not ready to buy right now. The pain is not bad enough that they're ready to solve this problem. You know, maybe the the chocolate bars, um, you know, they're, they're like, well, I... I'm hungry, this sounds nice, but I you know, don't wanna add more calories or more sugar to my diet because I'm being more health conscious. So they move to the waiting market. Well, I'm Go in ahead. the waiting market for buying a motorcycle. Um, so that's because I have a two year old, a six month old, and it's, it's, it's just, it wouldn't fly with the wife at the moment, but I am, I'm in pain. Um, every, time, <laughs> every time a motorbike goes past, I, I have motorbike envy, but I'm oh, in the waiting I, market. I feel your pain. Yeah, I uh, I have a hundred uh, plus thousand miles um, airline miles that uh, I am waiting to use, um, <laughs> and uh, a, a wife and and uh, three young children. So so it, it might be that someone's on the waiting list, on the waiting group, and they're still in a lot of pain. But circumstances, for whatever reason, that just prevented them from buying things right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they have two options. Um, and and these, these options, generally people will choose one or the other um, based on the information that they have available. So in the waiting market, um, you know, say you're waiting for a motorcycle and, and you have 
the reason of, you know, you want to be, um, you know, a good husband, a good father, you want to be alive, um, or your wife wants you to be alive, not buying because he doesn't have the money, or he's not buying because, you know, we didn't, you know, make it seem appealing enough. So we need to talk about these different features. Um, but you're a human being, and all these things are going on in your life. And so without doing any sort of qualitative research, um, and asking people talking to people, they won't know how to um, how to approach it. But um, in your case, there's not a whole lot that can be done about it right now. Um, you know, there's there's not, I don't imagine there's an ad that can be written that's going to convince your wife in, in one headline um, to let you buy a motorcycle. So I'm sorry yeah. if you lost. <laughs> the, the, the headline is, bikes are now safe for babies. Yes. Yep. Topless seats invented. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. That's. I'm sure that'll sell really well. Um, so, so yeah. Basically, there are two options here. Um, they either never need or want what you have to buy, and and generally studies show that's like fifty percent of the market. Um, or they can eventually decide to need or want what you have to buy. And so that waiting market, you know, you would be the type that will eventually, you know, you're going to win out. You've got that fire, that, that passion, you're going to get that bike, but you know, it's probably going to be when your kids are older um, and your wife's okay with it. And so in that, in that situation, you know, marketers are, are generally going to view you as a, a bad, you know, click or, or, you know, a waste of money. But in reality, you know, all they have to do is just like, show up a little bit here and there over the course of the next, you know, I don't want to hurt you here, five years, yeah. six, 10 years. Yeah. Um, but, but you're going to buy that bike and you know, who's going to sell it to you? Well, the, the, it'll be the, it'll be the people that I trust based on past interactions and past purchases and the stuff that they've yeah. sent me. Exactly. Um, um, and so there's, there's a lot that can be done. Yeah. So I, I will buy a motorbike, but um, and actually it'll be it'll be the the company that I trust based on the based on what I receive in between now and then. That's that's, that's really going to sort of make a difference in that decision. Right, right. And there's a lot of things that can be done at at low cost or or you know no cost in some cases to maintain and nurture that trust. Um, of course, you would be. Um, the person to talk to about that sort of thing, um, you know, email marketing being a, a fantastic way. Um, but, you know, all you've got to do to provide value to someone like this to continue building trust um, is just, you know, send them an email with, uh, you know, a picture of a bike uh, or, or, you know, some options, some new information about, you know, upcoming motorcycles, anything. Um, that they would find interesting and relevant. Um, and you don't have to, you know, blow a bunch of money on search ads. You don't have to blow a bunch of money um, on, you know, Facebook ads for this person, but um, little, you know, subtle remarketing, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that can be done. So it, it feels like you've got a waiting market and then you're kind of providing routes back to the buying market as and when someone is ready, not when you specifically want to sell to them. Yeah, so essentially, you know, they, the things that are happening in your, your customer's life or potential customer's life um, are, are going to dictate 
when they move through the market um, or through the, the market journey. And so, you know, it's, you can influence their, their beliefs or their state of readiness. Um, in your case, of course, a, a marketer wouldn't be able to push the needle a whole lot because, you know, you, you've got to be a, a good husband and, and you guys have to make this decision together. So, um, but, you know, in, in a lot of cases, um, the majority of the market that can solve their problem they're going to have some form of objection. You know, the, the majority will have one objection. A smaller segment might have another objection. Um, and so, you know, it's your job really to identify, you know, at first really what is the pain that someone's having? You know, what particular problem are we focusing on with our marketing? Um, you know, so once once they're suffering from that pain, how do they feel about that? What language are they using in their head as they tell themselves about the pain? Um, you know, and and if they move to the waiting market, why is it that they decided not to solve that problem? Is it because it's too expensive to solve right now? Is it because there are other more painful problems solved first? You know, there there are a number of reasons that someone might move to the waiting market. Sometimes the pain's not bad enough. It it they don't know how bad the pain is in a lot of cases. And so during this phase, you can target people with content that educates them about how bad the problem actually is, you know, implicates the, uh, the pain as uh, Neil Rackham would say. And um, really at this phase, you know, you're not going to be able to push everybody into a state of readiness to buy. Um, but for those who are not aware of how bad the problem actually is, um, you could be providing a valuable service to them by educating them and showing like, hey, look, this is what's going to happen if you don't solve this seemingly minor roof leak. Or, you know, here's what's going to happen if you continue to, um, you know, let your faucets drip or, you know, to keep with the home service um, analogy here. So um, really, there, you, your job is to identify what problems your, your market have um, which one is the, the most painful one you want to address? Um, and that's where you start. And of course, you can address more um, over time as you build out this, uh, um, your messaging plan to this path, um, or your, your market across these various paths. Um, and then, you know, what objections are going to keep them from solving their problem when they know that they're suffering from it? And then, so those that you can convince or, or those that you have, um, you know, encouraged to solve their problem, um, maybe pushed aside any objections they may have had, um, then they move to the buying market. Um, the rest, you know, you can continue to, to um, educate and form, but uh, you don't want to put too much time or energy into that, just enough that you can um, help guide those that are interesting or interested um, and then at the buying market, that's where most people focus their marketing efforts um, on those who are ready to buy. That's where the funnel comes in, as most people, as most people think of it. Exactly, exactly. Um, but the benefit you'll have, the advantage you'll have, if you focus on all of these other phases in addition to the buying market phase, is 
that you will have that trust that you mentioned earlier. You will have a preformed relationship that was not predicated solely on your desire to get money out of this person. And if you have shown that you are A, a knowledgeable, credible expert on a topic, B, that you care, and C, that you have a viable and reasonable solution to their problem, then, you know, you've been there the whole time. The odds of them searching for your brand directly increase. The odds of them choosing your brand when they perform a non-branded search increase dramatically. And the odds of them choosing your brand and, and converting will increase dramatically because the familiarity with your brand is going to be much higher. The general positive association with your brand is going to be much higher. And so you're going to fire off all those reticular activators. You're going to get the all of the subconscious benefits um, that people don't necessarily think about in marketing. It's not all just the headline or the you know button color or the image ad um, you know there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes if you've done your work properly beforehand do you um, have any sort of clients examples that come to mind of clients that have come to you with a need for this framework and where you've applied the framework and it's really worked well for them yeah yeah so actually um I shared an example um, on that uh, that new Renaissance webinar that is uh, the best example I've seen so far. Um, you know, a lot of times this isn't this isn't one of those magic bullet things that it's like, hey, you implement this and you're gonna see a huge spike in in traffic and conversions overnight. Um, this is this is a long game approach, um, but I'm kind of a, a long game guy. I, I favor. I'm, I'm not patient, <laughs> but uh, you have to be if you want to be around 10 years from now. Um, so, you know, I, I'll get to the examples in just a second, but I, I think it's important to, to state that this isn't something that you build from the contented stage down to the buying stage. Um, it makes a lot more sense to focus on the buying market first, as everyone does. Um, it's just important to grow beyond that into the suffering market, the waiting market, the contented market. So um, I, I don't want to say that you should ignore the buying market until later. Um, you should still start there because that's the low hanging fruit. That's where you're gonna get your sales and fund the advertising budgets or, or you know your marketing budget for the rest of the funnel. But that being said, um, it's, it's still, it's kind of a, a slower process. So um, while we have been building this out for clients, um, the, the best example I have is still the first one we started with, um, which is a, uh, a food processing equipment manufacturer um, that provides uh, robotics and um, kind of full line solutions. And they have... Uh, they they had more of a focus on their just general equipment and replacement parts and wanted to focus more on robotics and automation and full line solutions. Um, but they didn't have kind of a, a clear um, plan on how to approach this. And, and it's a relatively new 
development, you know, robotics is, is not, um, you know, hasn't been around too long in the food processing manufacturing um, world. So there's a bit of education that needs to happen and there's not a lot of trust around that particular offer. So um, really there needed to be a focus on digital relationships and providing education in addition to um, providing any like um, uh, responses to objections, frequently asked questions, things like that. So what we did is they, thankfully, um, we don't do video production ourselves, but, um, but they thankfully um, have a, a really good marketing director that um, was insightful enough to work with us and, and get some videos created by a, uh, a production company that we could then use to um, start sending to custom intent audiences on YouTube um, audiences that were um, visiting kind of key industry association pages um, and um, and then remarketing uh, audiences. We started showing these YouTube videos um, that were talking about um, kind of some of the key problems that uh, people in the food processing industry are, are facing today. Um, as well as um, another video that was kind of more centered around um, the developments in robotics and automation. Um, and then another that was focused more on, on a, a problem that people are having, um, which is kind of increased labor demands um, and also increased hygienic standards. And so um, these videos kind of served as, as primers to um, help inform people of the problem that they, the problems they were experiencing, but weren't necessarily consciously aware of. And so this kind of helped push people into the, the suffering phase um, in understanding, hey, um, you know, we, we kind of have known that um, it's difficult to find and keep good help on a line, you know, a food processing line. We've known that it's difficult to um, keep these hygienic standards with people that you know we keep having to replace and then train and then make sure they meet these standards. Um, and so we're just kind of showing them, hey, this is what your world looks like. We understand you, we understand your problem, um, and, and this is what's gonna happen if you don't solve it. Oh, and by the way, there's a solution. There's there's an option that you have to get around this. Um, and so this was kind of paired with uh, articles, blog articles, content on their website, um, and uh, image ads. Uh, so we, we primarily focus on kind of the Google ecosystem on um, search ads, display ads, YouTube, um, that sort of thing. And so um, we, we didn't have access to uh, other channels as I would like to. Generally, this this works really well as a, a multi-channel approach. Um, but for what we had access to, um, all my examples here are going to be Google related. Um, so we, we used display ads um, in Google and we we used headlines that kind of implicated the, the pain and maybe asked questions. 
um, around like, hey, you know, when do you know you're ready for robotics and automation? So we've introduced um, the problem. We've introduced that there is a solution um, and just kind of hinted at robotics and automation subtly, you know, nonchalantly mentioning that it's a, a thing with, you know, um, ROI horizons much sooner than expected um, by most. And um, so we began to kind of feed um, through remarketing those who had watched the videos um, and those who had visited key pages, um, feed them these image ads asking, you know, hey, when are you ready for robotics and automation on your food processing line? You know, um, you know how much could I, uh, you know, how much, what, what ROI could I expect from robotics and automation? Um, you know, is robotics and automation right for my, plant, you know, things like that. Um, and testing several different iterations to kind of poke at maybe different ways that people might phrase their questions or, or different pains that people might have, um, you know, some more around um, hygienics and labor force, and then some maybe more around, um, you know, ROI specifically. And um, and then we would send these two articles that kind of walked people through and explained a little bit more deeply um, the um, the benefits. We'd send it to ROI calculator um, so that people could kind of figure out, hey, you know, is this going to be worth it for me to invest in? Um, how long would it take me to make money on this? Um, you know, would it make sense for me to get, um, you know, to implement robotics and automation into my line instead of just hiring a couple more workers. So we kind of build this relationship over time predicated on, on information, education, value. Um, and then um, we started hitting these people in these audiences um, with, with search ads as they began to kind of search for more generic terms. Um, and, and the search ads piece is a little tricky um, because you can use language that you've put in their heads with these image ads, but the volume is usually going to be fairly low unless you've done this at just a gigantic scale. Um, we didn't have a, a limitless budget here. Um, we had a, a, a good one, but not not limitless. So, um, what, what, what sorts of audience sizes were you were you remarketing to? Um, so, you're using remarketing for search for this search ads. Uh, yeah, so with the with the search ads, um, the the remarketing really just is is in observation mode, so we can adjust bids. Oh, I see. Um, but uh, for the display and YouTube ads, um, generally the remarketing was the smaller piece, um, whereas the custom intent audiences um, created from you know relevant search terms or or topics and themes or um, URLs were or the much larger piece um as this is kind of again a new a relatively new market um and so the uh the changes really um to the search terms were not um were not very noticeable so and and a lot of times in search ads you have everybody's searching one way it's all kind of generic and so people would search for things like um, you know, robotics and automation, um, you know, for my food processing line or, or, you know, something really generic like that. So um, we, we had to kind of use the, the headlines as pre-qualifiers, if you will, um, to try and make it 
to the quote fun we were creating or the path that we were trying to guide people along um, and make sure that we were getting clicks from people who um, were already kind of asking the questions that we were trying to um, to suggest to them or that were dealing with the problems and the pain that we were um, you know educating them about and um, generally we saw that there wasn't a lot of traffic outside of that group anyway um, so as those clicks began to increase um, you know we couldn't really help but draw a correlation um, you know you can never be a hundred percent certain uh, but um, but over time, um, you know, we, we saw that this not only increased the traffic in that particular search campaign, but also um, these, all of these pages, the RI calculator, the videos, um, you know, all of it as it began to increase, branded traffic increase significantly as well as did, as did requests for quotes, um, which are kind of our key performance indicator is we don't have uh, tracking to the, the final sale um, but um, on our end anyway, um, but in speaking with the marketing director, um, he said that um, that basically they, in, in the eight month window this year, uh, which is the year that, that we implemented this for them, um, that we had already been, when I, I spoke to him in, uh, in August, he said that in, in that eight month window, um, they had already um, matched their request for quotes for the previous year. And um, in the, the three month window um, that I, I measured before the, um, the webinar, um, we were up 64% versus the three months in the previous year, um, which is generally a, a pretty solid window, time window. So um, we were seeing significant improvement and that those improvements have continued to date um, and they're they're getting much more interest around this new um, new endeavor and, and new focus which um, you know as anyone that's tried to introduce a relatively new solution to a market uh, can attest to is it's encouraging to see um, relatively fast progress toward that yeah because it's a big communications problem isn't it to get that across to potential customers um, and I think it's really interesting that you led with YouTube. I think that's, I just think the video allows you to um, really illustrate the problem in a way that, in a way that an image ad wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Anytime someone has a problem um, that they need to educate a market about something new or something novel, um, I, I always recommend YouTube because it's just the fastest way of sharing um, information and uh, that's that's going to be um, retained at a higher rate, but also um, it worked as a good pre-qualifier because um, these videos were not super short. Uh, I can't remember the the length exactly, but um, but anyone that's going to sit through a a um, talk uh, on food processing for you know five ten minutes, um, that's probably a decent. A decent candidate for seeing your next ads so um i think that definitely helped our causes as well Do you need um decent production quality for that or is is it okay to kind of get going with more of like a talking head type thing that you would normally see on facebook 
Yeah, well, um, you know, I think it depends on how bad the problem really is, how much, how high the pain is, how high the interest is. Um, so it's going to vary case by case. Um, you know, I, I think if, depending on who you're targeting as well, um, you know, you're not going to want to necessarily target the luxury community with like an iPhone video of <laughs> yeah. you walking through, you know, like your bathroom or something. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, um, or like kind of a, a low quality, uh, low audio quality will kill your kill your ad real fast. But um, but as far as overall production quality, I usually tell people to aim higher. Um, I've heard people say quantity over quality because content is really what matters. Um, I just try and find a balance, really. So um, as long as the video is going to hook people in the first five seconds, if you're running it as an ad, um, they're doing both ads and organic YouTube um, to get people searching for questions, um, yeah. which I think is wise. But um, Sorry, go on. yeah, I, I think that just a balance um, of, of quality versus um, a, a focus on making sure it hooks people quickly, it speaks to the problem they have um, and shows that you understand them and then provides them with um, hope of a solution um, or, or just, you know, pushes them to the next stage of the journey. Um, I think that you're going to do okay. I think there's definitely a sort of barrier in terms of production that a lot of people at least have in their heads about YouTube. Um, you think that you need to get a film crew in to some extent or um, a Perhaps that isn't the case. Perhaps you just need to, you know, get decent, decent lighting, decent audio, and make sure that the content is really great. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's that's kind of such a tricky situation. You know, there are there are a lot of film crews out there that charge a lot of money for video production. They do great work, but it's so hard for you know the average Joe, the small business owner, to to drop you know 10, 15 grand on a really solid video. Um, even though it might make them just that much or more on the back end, um, it's the initial investment is really difficult. So um, I, I would say, you know, find yourself a, a, a decent DSLR or, or really, you know, iPhones, Androids, um, they can shoot in 4K, get a ring light. Uh, you know, off Amazon, you can get a, a really decent one for a hundred bucks that comes with an, a, like a phone holder. Um, and that goes in the middle of the light. You, you set that up, you get in front of a halfway decent background and try not to talk like a robot. And you, you know, if you have any, any understanding of your customer at all and can speak to their problem, you know, lead with a question that is going to capture their attention and, and show that you're a trustworthy expert that understands the problem that, that you're trying to solve here. And I, I don't think that you need to, you know, blow your whole marketing budget on a production crew. If you've got the money, great. Um, you know, otherwise, um, you know, do what you can. Yeah. And then for the next stage, you're using image ads for remarketing. Um, uh -huh. Are you kind of designing fixed size banners? Do you use the responsive display ads? Um, how, how do you kind of get, get going with that? Yeah, great question. So we have a graphics guy on our team who's really, really good. Um, he's also um, our, our 
head of web design and buried in work. So um, we had him create a few iterations of just kind of uh, 300 by 250, um, you know, static uh, images. And we used that for some of those questions around, um, you know, whether people were ready or how they knew they were ready and things like that. Um, but we, we also started doing a lot more responsive display, um, which is great because responsive display kind of gets premium placement anyway. A lot of times you can show those ads for cheaper to more people. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't get to choose the wording. You don't get to um, choose which image is showing or, or what format. So, um, you know, I, I definitely don't have anything responsive display ads. Uh, it just kind of depends on the situation. Uh, but we have been using more responsive display lately for, for most of our accounts. It feels like they've got a lot better in the last couple of years. I think when I think when Google first introduced them, they were a bit burpy. Yeah, yeah, I have to I have to agree. Um, I, over time, my my faith in in Google's automations or or kind of machine learning enhanced uh, products has increased um, after my. Uh, recent talk with Frederick Valles, um, who's the CEO of Optimizer and, and uh, one of Google's first 500 employees. He uh, he um, was on the team that created AdWords Editor and, and kind of um, created uh, conversion tracking. Um, so we have a lot to thank him for, um, but he uh, had a conversation with him recently for, for our podcast. He said that um, that Google's AI really is to the point that you don't even have to have historical data um, for it to do a better job than we can do in a lot of cases. Um, I'm still, you know, a little hesitant to uh, put my full faith in there, but yeah. um, but I, it definitely shows how far Google has come um, and how much their machine learning is improving um, that you know, someone so seasoned could even, you know, say anything close to that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely improving. I um, I also heard recently that um, potentially in one of the betas that are coming up, they're going to have more tools for video editing and creating bumper videos and that sort of thing, which... Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they had everything, um, you know, all in one place by the time everything's said and done, just... Yeah. You know, record on your phone. Um, you know, edit in the the, uh, in the YouTube yeah. Studio or in the the ad, ad, or, ad Facebook. At oh my gosh, too much coffee, not enough sleep. Um, <laughs> the Google yeah, edit in the yeah. ads editor. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, yeah, they definitely like to have their their don't leave Google um, solutions, but um, you know that's. Yeah. Uh, proper proper video editors will will still probably prefer their um, you know Adobe Premiere or um, you know Final oh, yeah. Cut or whatever. Yeah, like if you're a graphic if you're a proper graphic designer, then you're gonna prefer doing your graphics rather than using the responsive display ads. Definitely, definitely. So you know, it's it's nice that they're making things more accessible to less experienced uh, advertisers. But, um, you know, at the same time, there are still a lot of things that more seasoned people or, or people with more resources can do to um, have significant advantage. So it, it, it feels to me like you're really using, in terms of like 
the, the media maze. You're kind of using video to illustrate problems to people who are not aware, or perhaps even that they've got the problem yet. Um, and then you're using images and some of the banner options to kind of remind people with a view to kind of building up branded searches later on. So kind of a summary of what you did for the clients. So. Yeah, yeah. So if we're if we're looking at this um, from the the market journey path, um, the contented phase and the suffering phase, um, suffering and waiting markets uh, both behave very similarly in that they're both still suffering. It's just one is, you know, you don't know if they're ready to solve the problem or not, and they have a higher likelihood of moving to the buying market. Whereas the the waiting phase, um, you know, there's some objective uh, objection, there's something holding them back, and so they will have, um, you know, you'll, they'll be asking different questions, they'll be searching different ways, they'll be um, interested in different content, um, you know, they'll be bothered by some uh, advertising more than, you know, people in the waiting market phase that are being pushed, pushed, pushed to buy, 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 they're going to be more turned off by your ads than those who are in um, the, the suffering market and, you know, might be ready to buy, they don't have as many objections per se. So just kind of, um, you obviously, you're not going to uh, be able to go into Google ads or, or you know, Facebook or your email marketing and, and uh, platforms and then click a box like, okay, I want to target the suffering market here. But, um, but just, you know, understanding the different ways that people are thinking, the questions they ask, the stories they tell themselves, um, and then the, t the type of content they're consuming at these different stages is going to help tremendously. So yeah, it's, um, like, it's like you're your qualifying question. people with your ad content, I think, as well. That... Yeah, yeah. So you're 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 almost kind of testing the waters. Um, you're you're saying, okay, um, you know, I'm sending out these these video ads to the contented market. I'm I'm actually sending it out to everyone, but I know they're going to resonate with the contented market. People in the buying market, they're just going to skip. People in the you know waiting or suffering market, they're they're not going to be interested in this. Um, per se, you know, they might. Um, and so you, you don't know who's in which market. Um, but if you speak to all of the different markets, then your, you know, the, the right message is going to get in front of the right people. And so, you know, you, you do have a lot on your shoulders as far as um, constructing your, your targeting. Um, so if you're putting together like a custom intent audience, um, having the right terms, um, deciding whether to go with like in-market um, audiences, affinity audiences, custom audiences, um, it, again, speaking in Google terms, because that's kind of my main forte. Um, you know, you, you have a lot uh, to think about here, but it all comes down to your understanding of the market, of the people, um, of the pain that they're going through and, and remembering that these are human beings you're dealing with um, that are going through a journey. And so, yeah, I like to use video at the, at the beginning because um, it's just a really quick way of, of qualifying people like, hey, are you suffering? Do you have this problem? Um, you know, I, I created some video ads you know, some people may see in the near future that, uh, you know, they just start out like, do you want to know why your marketing strategy is not working? Um, you know, why your leads and sales are, are getting more and more expensive and the, the quality is getting worse. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that's not going to resonate with, but the people we want to talk to, 
yeah, that's going to hit right where it hurts. Yeah. Do you want to know why, why you get motorbike envy every time a motorbike goes past your house? I would probably watch that video. So, <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Okay. So there anyone that wants to market to Rob, there you go. <laughs> there we go. Great. Um, we're, we're almost uh, out of time, I'm, I'm afraid, Ryan. So um, perhaps you could um, let people know how they can get in touch with you, find out more about your work. Um, any next steps? Oh, yeah. So um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on there a decent bit. Um, Ryan Baker, um, I, I imagine Ryan Hamilton Baker might, might get you there faster. Um, you can reach out Ryan at 417marketing.com, R-Y-A-N, um, 417marketing.com. Um, and I am very approachable. You're welcome to ask any questions or I'll, you know, help however I can. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on and um yeah we'll 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 be in touch soon thanks rob it's great chatting with you great thanks if you've enjoyed this episode of the most marketing podcast you'll definitely want to make sure you're on our email list sign up for free at www.mazemarketingpodcast.com forward slash hello also before you go please have a think who's the one person you know who really needs to hear this Please forward along this episode, it just helps to spread the word. Thanks.